Welcome to the Salted Carmel Podcast from Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Parish in Carmel, Indiana. We have the opportunity to hear individual faith stories and learn how God has touched our parishioners in their spiritual journeys. I'm Jody Curtis, a parishioner, and with me is my undescribable co-host, David Cook, the stewardship director at our parish. Undescribable. Wow, you're too kind, Jody. <laughs> <laughs> we have a great show for you today. Our guest today is Lynn Nyers. Lynn, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Thank you so much. I am doing really well. It's been a, a long, busy day at work, but it's been a good day. Well, good. You get a get a sit back, relax, have a drink with us. I'm just kidding. We don't drink on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn, do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and your your role in the parish thus far? Sure. Um, like you said, my name is Lynn Nyers, and I have attended Our Lady of Mount Carmel for about 29 years. I don't know exactly when I joined. <laughs> um, somewhere along the midst of that, I was commuting from the west side to Our Lady of Mount Carmel, um, and part of that is part of my, my journey story. Um, and I work professionally as a physical therapist, and at the parish, I have um, helped with volunteer youth ministry for the same amount of time, for about 29 years, 28 years, something like that. And also have helped with being a Eucharistic minister, extraordinary Eucharistic minister with lecturing. Uh, I've been involved in Christ Renews His Parish and also with the Curcio movement. Nice. Nice. Well, thank you for your service to our parish. Sounds like we got you hooked right from the start, huh? That's right. <laughs> Lynn, do you remember when you really developed an intimate relationship with Christ? Yes, I really do. Um, I grew up in a um, faithful Catholic house, uh, home, and both my parents were very, um, very faithful. We talked about um, ethical and moral issues at the dinner table. I have four brothers and two sisters, and I'm a twin survivor. My twin was born, stillborn. And as a little kid, I always had knowledge of that. And I often thought about um, the end of my life. I often thought about heaven and I often thought, you know, is it possible that she could hear me, but why couldn't I hear her? Um, so those kinds of thoughts and spiritual um, feelings really made me kind of a sensitive kid, but also really a uh, spiritual kid. And I was, I went to a Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, Catholic college, and was faithful in going to church and followed the principles of the, of the church. But really, I wouldn't say that I had necessarily a personal relationship with God, although I was, I would say I was kind of a, in quotation marks, faithful Catholic. Um, when I was in my uh, late 20s, I was at our Christmas work party. And before the party started, I got a phone call from one of my coworkers and she told me that her husband had just gone to Medjugorje, which is a uh, town in Yugoslavia that our Blessed Mother allegedly has been appearing at, and that he was really um, wanting to share that trip with everybody. And 
she called, she reached out to me in particular because she said that they, she shared with me that they were separated, but that he had this really strong desire to share and she wanted to honor that. And she said, could you make him feel comfortable um, when he, when he's there? And so I, I it really struck me because it wasn't really a coworker that I had a very close relationship with that. I thought it was really interesting that she reached out to me. Well, he shared his experience in Medjugorje and he was a very quiet, unassuming man. So it really struck me too, that he wanted to share something that he would, um, you know, have that, that strong desire. So um, he shared with us um, the alleged message from our blessed mother, which was one of fasting, praying and giving your heart to Jesus. And I had prayed before and fasted before, but I had never really thought about giving my heart to Jesus. And when I was listening to his story, I was really struck in my heart. I really heard kind of this question rise up, which is, what, what are you waiting for? And it began this process, even while he was talking, you know, kind of what are you waiting for? And one answer was I was waiting to, until I got married. I knew my faith would be important then. I was waiting until I had the gifts that I thought I needed to have. And I was angry that I didn't have the gifts that I thought I should have. And there was just something in me, though, during that, that talk that I was like, I made a decision. I wasn't going to wait anymore. And I was filled, honestly, with, I know now, was just really an infilling of the Holy Spirit. When I left that um, very casual dinner, I walked outside, and it was a December night. The sky was blue, and the stars were really evident. It was kind of a chilly night, but it was it was so remarkable in terms of the blueness of the sky. And I remember getting in my car and um, wanting to pray and starting to pray. And all I could remember was our father and nothing more. Hail Mary, nothing more. And I was filled up. It was like this joy. And I was like, woohoo, which I think probably is the prayer of the Holy Spirit. I don't know. But I, all these prayers that I knew, you know, growing up and prayed in high school, college, I you could not remember them. And what rose up in me was this prayer of teach me, Lord, how to pray. So I was driving home um, with that, you know, that desire and everything. I got home. Um, I had a roommate at the time. She had already gone into her room, and so I didn't really share it with anyone. I went into my room, and I searched for my Bible, which I had to dust off because I had not been using it. Um, I opened it up and started reading the Bible. Um, when I went to work the following Monday, um, uh, one of my coworkers is Denise Lunsford, and Denise, I had mentioned something to her about you know, just kind of briefly about my experience. Well, she brought in a book about Medjugorje. And I, so I started reading it and um, we would always like uh, as a group go to lunch and they would, and one of them said, well, you don't want to go to lunch. I'm like, no, I don't want to go to lunch. I'm having a conversion here. Uh, and they all, they all laughed. I did too, but I was like, but I'm serious, you know? So I um, started, you know, reading more uh, spiritual books. I started you know, going into the bathroom, praying during the day at work. And then I would um, 
you know, start reading scripture, but it was all very internal, all very personal um, and not sustainable. Mm. I don't even think my, my roommate at the time knew, you know, I, it wasn't something that I was really, it was just very internal. Well, Denise had um, many times invited me to make a retreat called Curcio. And Curcio is uh, a four-day, you know, basically three-and-a-half-day retreat that has 15 talks. Each talk builds on the next talk. And most people from our parish would know Christ Renews' Parish, which is kind of an outpouring of Curcio, where Christ Renews is more parish um, oriented Curcio is more world, you know, more big Catholic church oriented and really teaches a method of perseverance in your faith. Well, she had asked me, you know, at least four times. Well, I, after trying to do this on my own and but really feeling like I wasn't able to sustain it, wasn't growing really. And I came up to her and I said, you know, that Curcio thing that you've asked me about, you know, you think I could go to that? She says, absolutely. The next day she had it. Uh, you have to fill out a, um, I don't know what you call it, a, a form to, to sign up and everything. She had it there the next day, signed up. I even um, arranged my vacation around it. I came back early from my vacation so I could go. I only tell you that because when she picked me up, you know, it's much like Christ for News. They pick you up and bring you there. Um, she brought me there. I was so tired. I, I flew back from Hawaii. I know you feel sorry for me <laughs> that I came back from, I was tired from coming back from Hawaii. And, um, I was complaining to her. I was like, you know, I'm really tired. I don't know if I should go. And she just looked at me and said, where's your bag? And she grabbed my bag and got me in the car. <laughs> and there was really just this last minute resistance, right. That I now feel like was a spiritual battle because it really did have such an impact on me. So she took me, dropped me off, and I was tired, which was so important because it made me vulnerable. And that night, I was confronted with women that greeted me at the retreat and the night began. And they were so happy and so joyful. And it really struck me that dissonance of how I was feeling and how they were. And so that night when I went to bed, I, I was a very honest prayer. I was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing here, Lord. Like, I am not like these women. I don't know why you brought me here. I don't know why I'm here. Um, you know, you got to work this out. And that night, it was kind of in a dorm kind of style in old school in, in Indianapolis. Um, and it was an old classroom. So it was basically like a dorm. And it was all night. The pipes were banging. And I'm, you know, a light sleeper. I didn't sleep very well. They kind of woke me up early the next day and told me that the person who was in charge couldn't get out of bed because she had back problem. Oh. And she's never had a back problem before, but she couldn't get up and they knew I was a physical therapist and wondered, could I possibly go treat her? And I was walking down there and I, and this is God's honest truth. I was so much complaining to the Lord about it. I was like, can I not even go to a retreat and I have to do this? You know, just complaining, complaining, complaining. Um, but of course, when I greeted her, I, I very much put on this face, this facade that I would be happy to help her. And um, so I started to work on her, put my hands on her. 
And it was almost like getting hit in the head (laughs) because it was this realization that I wasn't there because I wanted to be there. I was there because the Lord wanted me there and that those gifts weren't the gift of physical therapy, being able to be a physical therapist wasn't because that was what I wanted to do. It's because what the Lord wanted me to do. And it was this beginning of this change of mentality where it was no longer was I a physical therapist who was a Catholic. It was a switch of I'm a Catholic and I happen to be a physical therapist. And then throughout that weekend, there were so many things like the sacrament of reconciliation was very profound for me. I really experienced God's mercy um, heard in my heart, you know, I've forgiven you. Why haven't you forgiven yourself? Um, all of this joy, there was laughed, a lot of laughter. There were jokes at lunch. There was such um, an outpouring of love. And I really can honestly say throughout that weekend that I fell in love with Jesus that weekend. I really encountered him. And it really has changed my life. I really have always said, um, in terms of working a Curcio team, like if I can, if I can at all, I will, because it was such a life changer. After that is when I, you know, again, sought out opportunities to grow in scripture. And that's when I got invited. Denise invited, she said, you know, my husband, Paul, you know, now Deacon Paul leads this uh, youth Bible study. Um, I know it's probably not where you're at, but if you wanted to do that, I'm like, oh no, I'm totally, that's where I'm at. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't know anything about scripture, you know, so I'd be glad to help out with that. And so that began that um, opportunity to work with youth. And I could go on and on about other opportunities that I feel like the Lord has really opened up. I, I went to World Youth Day with a youth shortly after that. And the theme that year was out in Denver was, John 10, 10, I came to give you life and that that you might have it to the full, you know, and I really feel like that has been my life with Christ post, you know, like that conversion or would, you know, infilling of the Holy Spirit, whatever you'd like to say, I would say that would, would sum it up. Like I feel the fullness of life. Oh, wow. What a beautiful story. Yeah. So many, so many points. I'm trying to remember it all. So the concrete moment was Medjugorje's story. And you're like, why am I waiting? You yes. Know? And then you realize that you, you dove into spiritual reading and a little bit of prayer and scripture. And then you realize that it's not sustainable. You start talking to a friend, Denise, who drags you along to a retreat, you know, kicking and screaming from Hawaii. <laughs> That is awesome. And then you were placed there for God to be like, bam, you know, everything in your life, physical therapy and everything is because I wanted you to do that. Sorry, I'm giving a synopsis of it in my head. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know if we have any other questions. (laughs) That's fantastic. Well, and I think I, I would say, as I reflect on all of that, one is that that personal relationship, but also the introduction to Christian community. Mm hmm. You know, and just the importance of that on this walk. You can't do it alone. You're not supposed to do it alone. 
you know, yeah. even Jesus sent them out two by two, you know, and I think we can get so isolated and think it's just us and God or us and it's not sustainable. It really isn't. I've tried it. <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, and why would you, you know, it's, it's more, it's so much more richer. And I, yeah, I'm just so grateful for my Christian community and for the people that have, uh, and that's really why I ended up uh, starting to go to Arlena Mount Carmel. There were so many people that were so open to me and inviting me to be part of their families, really. And I later found out most of them had made, you know, Curcio and had a conversion. Now, I'm not just saying that you have to, you know, go to Curcio, although that would be awesome, but that's not for everybody, um, for sure. But let me ask you a question. Do you think people uh, don't have a faith community just because it's a little taboo or lame to speak about your faith to somebody else? Well, I guess that that has not been my experience. And I would say since I have tried to share my faith with other people, and really it's more listening to other people and, and looking for those opportunities to kind of ask them how they're doing, you know, and, and I don't know, there's just an openness there. I don't, I don't think I've, I've experienced that it's lame. I think people are so hungry and and especially right now um, we're, you know, in the midst of COVID people are hungry for community. They're hungry to make sense of what's going on, make sense of their life. Um, and I think that vulnerability that um, is helpful a lot of times to to just open the door that people can share their story. Yeah, yeah. Lynn, who is your biggest faith influencer? I've had so many throughout my life. I have to tell you that. I'm, I'm so blessed. I name probably 30 people, but I would have to give credit initially for my mom and dad. You know, my mom was the first one that, reminded me sometimes gently, sometimes not so gently that charity begins at home. Um, and, you know, I think as that's kind of what I learned you know, lately as an adult, right. That it has to be integrated. It can't be, I can be the best volunteer in high school, which is what I was, you know, and do all these great, um, you know, mission kind of, um, projects and stuff like that, but not, be present to people at home. So really, I think that that really does stick with me very much like Mother Teresa, right? That, you know, begin at home. If you you don't need to go to Calcutta, just begin at home. And then uh, my dad, and I all get emotional talking about it because we, my dad passed away this summer. Um, But he, such a faithful, quiet, gentle, uh, strong leader, um, always brought up, you know, topics at, at the dinner table, challenges to kind of think through things. He prayed the rosary for us, um, was a man that did a lot of things for a lot of people that we had no idea that he did them. He, you know, he just kind of lived his faith. He was also a person that, you know, went to mass. He fasted during a pretty severe fast during Lent. And we used to always make, you know, kind of almost try to trip him up. You know what I mean? Like, um, and he was just, you know, he's a very, he, he knew why he was doing it, you know, um, and was very much a service to, to my mom and to us kids. Um, we never doubted that. So 
So I would say I have to give them props, but I could tell you, you know, Denise Lunsford, Deacon Paul, um, my church, like many of the youth ministers I've worked with, um, hundreds of people. Nice. That's amazing. Uh, our Lady of Mount Carmel has a slogan called Grateful No Matter What. Lynn, what are you grateful for, particularly this week? Yeah, well, again, I would just have to say I'm, I'm really grateful for my Christian community. Um, you know, the, this time when we're really being isolated, um, to be able to meet with them. Uh, it's now we're meeting more on Zoom, <laughs> Um which is not perfect and not great for sure, because it's really kind of inhumane not to be with people, not to be social. But so that um, is very much. And then the gift of the Eucharist to be able to receive the Eucharist, um, just the peace that I know that I receive from that, that I know is not me. And it's purely just the grace of, of God. And my belief is imperfect, but by golly, the, the, the sacrament really proves that, that, that it's real, you know. Lynn, you've given so much to others. What, what do you think are your specific gifts for evangelization? Um, I think really I've, I'm a good listener. Um, and I really do want to know where people are coming from. And I feel like God has really given me a love for souls. And that really is one of the, my prayers in the morning. Like when I get ready in the morning when I shower, it's, you know, Lord, help me, help me show the love that you've given me, you know, and on the days I'm really tired, I say, and make it easy <laughs> yeah. because he can, he can make it very easy for me. So, and I think I'm, a, I, I'm good at being able to listen to somebody's story and help them see how God is working in their life, you know, and to try to, to just kind of point that out to them. Yeah. Yeah beautiful skill. I mean, I think it's very underrated how important listening is, you know, everybody wants to tell and speak their own story, but that's awesome. Uh, there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, you need to stay sharp and Catholic community kind of keeps you sharp. Um, how we would describe that on this show as staying salty, you know, stay, staying close to God. We're trying to take back the phrase staying salty. So what are some little things that you do to stay salty or stay close to God throughout the week? Yeah. So I always think about Father Mark Toops. I heard him say one time, put yourself in a place to be found. Mm. So I feel like that is something that I try to do every day. Um, and I'm so grateful for the richness of our Catholic faith tradition, because there's so many ways to do that. Um, but I, especially during Advent, I will say that when, and I'm not saying I'm doing all of this every day, I do <laughs> bits and pieces every day because, you know, it just depends on the amount of the time and, and how I feel called, but um, praying the rosary, praying the liturgy, the hours. I'm a big, I'm a, I am a big podcast listener, by the way. Um, so I, I do that. Like when I go for a walk, I, I listen to podcasts. Um, during Advent, especially, I'm trying to read the, the daily readings um, and do a little Lexio where, I'm, where I reflect on that. Um, and I listen to Christian music. So all of those but not necessarily all in one day. <laughs> so that, Lynn, our next question was, what's, what's our 
call to action for our listeners this week, but I think you've just given us a whole list of them. Uh, One of my favorites that you said, though, was put yourself in a place to be found. I I think that's really beautiful. But any suggestions you might have for our listeners? Well, I, I do think that that's what I would say. Put yourself in a place to be found because our Lord is seeking you always. And we're so busy sometimes that we really don't stop ourselves enough to do that. So whether that, you know, right now, I love that I've got my Christmas lights on. It's very peaceful. It's a place I can slow down and just be still, you know, Um, or maybe that for somebody, it's going to the Adoration Chapel, or I would encourage people to go to an extra mass during the week and receive the Eucharist or get in the car and put on Christian music and let that be your chapel, you know? Um, But put yourself in a place to be found because he wants to find you. Yeah. He's already there. I guess that's the point. He's already there. We just need to let things, you know, fall away that we can be present. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Lynn. That was an amazing story and great advice. Lynn, let's end with a prayer. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for constantly seeking us out. We are sorry for all the things that get us in the, get in the way that make us not present to you. Lord, help us to remove these distractions from our lives. Help us to always be in a place where we can find you easily and you can find us and we can acknowledge your presence in our life. Lord, we thank you so much for Lynn, for Lynn's testimony, and for all the lives that Lynn has touched. And we pray that this podcast reaches somebody who needs to hear her story. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.